Hey, what's going on guys? Enter Chazman here and I'm back with a brand new video series for my channel. Uh, this is going to be Enter Chazman and this is going to be my opportunity to kind of talk with my buddy Phoenix. What's going on, Phoenix? Oh, not too much. Hi, Chaz Nation. We call them the Chazzy Coons now. <laughs> the Chaz Chazettes. Uh, or you guys came up, with, came up with Chazzy Coons. But uh, yeah, this is kind of something I've been wanting to do for a long time. Um, naturally, I've always loved podcasting uh, channels and I kind of consume that kind of uh, media pretty much daily. And it's something I've always wanted to get into and I think it looks fun. And I don't know. I, uh, me and my buddy Phoenix kind of talk all the time with uh, with each other on these things. And uh, so, Phoenix, what's up, man? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Just tired. <laughs> um, I, I feel you. So, I mean... I feel like everyone probably well everyone that tunes into my channel probably knows plenty about me but is there anything you wanted to kind of uh, uh, say about yourself what your interests are what you got going on um man I don't know I've been gaming forever since I've been a little wee wee Phoenix um, but I don't know I love collecting games playing games it's just you know it's in my soul man it's in my soul all, all the normal stuff yeah I mean basically I've known Phoenix for a long time and through him and another family member, I've kind of gotten into this whole gaming scene, collecting and playing. And I'd say, what, maybe the Xbox 360 was like the gen where I felt like I kind of uh, blossomed into a nerdy gamer. I feel like that's about the time for you as well. Although you you uh, expand out a little little before that, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, I've been gaming forever. I mean, original NES all the way through. But the 360 was like a, you know, a shift in the gaming paradigm. I know for me too, like I was like college student right when 360 was getting big. So, you know, LAN parties and Xbox Live and all that stuff was huge. I was a big, you know, Halo loser. So, I don't know. Definitely kind of shifted my whole gaming attitude. I guess you, you know, become that hardcore gamer by that definition. But no, I've definitely eased off since then. You know, life has taken uh, different, different routes. So, you know, I've had a little less time to game as much as I'd like to. But I still try. I try to keep up with stuff, at least gaming news. So. Well, sure, sure. I guess I. Sure, this will be my opportunity to thank you for for uh, for the first time in a while. I mean, Phoenix is probably the reason I got into modern... Like, I'd always played, like, Game Boy, older Nintendo-based things. But uh, I remember I bought off of you for... What was it? Probably 100 150 bucks. I got that the Xbox 360 Elite off of you that I think you had painted over. Oh, yeah. I had... I don't know if I painted the whole console, but I, like, us. <laughs> Spray painted the controller red. Mm -hmm. that was, that was I, I had that controller for the longest time too, and it it hey, worked. Controllers were tough, man. I know it got sticky after a while. <laughs> oh, don't tell me that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I I probably play use that controller for Gears One for a long time. <clears throat> I know we used to, you know, that was our game. That was my kind of like that game was kind of my entry into gaming. Uh, back to the games that we got going on right now. We, uh, we recently played Pokemon Legends Arceus, me and Phoenix, and uh, he finished the game a little bit before me. And uh, I felt like that was a fairly interesting place to kind of start off our little uh, chit chat. So I guess just overall, um, what were your uh, kind of open feelings for the game? So I, I tell you, I feel kind of bad because I know we started talking about this game back when uh, what were we playing? Um, oh, Nobody Saves the World, which we need to finish, by the way. That's um, right, yeah. <laughs> and I know I was being really hard on the game. I hadn't played it yet, so I was kind of just, you know, talking out my butt about the whole thing. Because mm -hmm. I'll tell you, this game does not make a good first impression if you don't play it. Like, it looks 
we, I mean, it's no secret. The game looks pretty bad. Mm -hmm. um, and unless you like, get a chance to experience the gameplay, at least on the offset, it doesn't seem like it has a whole lot of redeeming qualities to it. So I know I was giving a hard time being like, oh, there's no excuse for having bad graphics, blah, 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 blah. And it's not that I don't feel that way anymore. But I tell you, once you play this game um, and actually give it a chance, uh, it it shocked me how much I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I thought at best I'd think of it like I'm a mediocre Pokemon franchise mm -hmm. or entry. And I mean, I've been playing Pokemon since the original one. So, um, but I was really surprised just how much I actually enjoyed this. Like, even like past Pokemon games I played, um, let's see, I pay, played um, Sword and Shield and some of the more recent modern ones, uh, Let's Go Pikachu. And like, they were fun, I suppose, but nothing really grabbed on. Um, at least not as far as my interest was concerned. Ooh. So, this one really kind of hooked me in, and I mean, I'm still hooked on it. I've, I'm deep in the post game now, just trying to fill out the Pokedex, mm -hmm. and I've been having a, a blast with it. I mean, there's definitely issues with the game, but I have enjoyed it far more than I thought. So I feel bad for ragging on it the way I did. That should be mm -hmm. a, um, a lesson to myself not to speak without playing a game. So well, I apologize for anybody who heard that. Well, an interesting thing for me that I found while playing the game is it kind of, I think I mentioned it in my streams, but for me personally, it. I feel like it fulfilled kind of the dream that people like me had back in the GameCube era when people were pushing so much for like this open world, like, you know, a different direction for some of the Pokemon games to go. And mm -hmm. I think that's why for, I, you, you probably know, but I love the games Pokemon Coliseum and uh, Gale of Darkness XD. I feel like those were like the first Pokemon games to really try something new and they, they added some new elements. And I feel like Pokemon Arceus, in a way, kind of feels like that dream realized. I feel, well, I feel like this game doesn't fully realize it, but it takes it in a direction that I had been hoping and that other people had been hoping Pokemon would eventually go into. Do you, mm -hmm. do you kind of agree with that or no? Oh, yeah. I think what I think stings about this whole thing is, I mean, that's very much true. Like, I mean, since I was 10 playing Pokemon Red, I wanted the open world Pokemon experience where you're going out, collecting, capturing. I think the problem is I feel like this is the game we should have had, man, 10, 15 years ago. Like, um, I feel like even some of that older hardware back then may kind of done it to this scale, but could have done something pretty similar. So I guess it's what kind of hurts about it. I'm glad it's going this direction, but I feel like it should have done it so long ago because if they would have done it back in, you know, GameCube or Wii or heck, even Wii U era, mm -hmm. um, then I think where we'd be now would be so much further. And I think we'd really have like some amazing revolutionary Pokemon game that I feel like Arceus could have been. It's it's that so close yet so far kind of feeling, which makes me really excited to play it, but also pretty disappointed at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, it kind of reminds me of the whole, like another uh, series or game that you know I really love is Pokemon Snap. And for the longest time, people like me, had wanted that next gen that next step and then especially when the general when the wii u generation came around it was like oh look handheld this thing's perfect for a camera type thing mm -hmm. and i guess in a way for me the whole rcs comparison to older pokemon games is just you know pokemon snap was something that i felt like could have been done well and even to an extent this new pokemon snap game i feel like still to an extent really didn't even like live up to that dream I feel like this game, as opposed to the other new Pokemon Snap game, does a much better job of kind of showing the direction, showing the way that I feel like I would like to see Pokemon go into. Mm, that's interesting. 
because I, I really like the new Pokemon Snap game. Maybe it's just because what my expectations were for that game and what I wanted out of it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't. I don't know. I don't. I can't, don't think of anything else they really could have done in the new Pokemon Snap game that uh, I don't know. I would have really been wanting beyond what they already did. Yeah. Um, now I do feel like I mean, if we're talking about the directions of the game, just already like Pokemon mainline in general. I feel like some of what Pokemon Snap did well, I would like to see interjected into Arceus. Like, um, I know you'll probably mention it, maybe we're, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but probably one of the biggest downfalls or disappointing things about Arceus, in my opinion, is just the world building just feels really kind of flat. Mm-hmm. Like, you have Pokemon, you know, all throughout it, but it's not like the Pokemon are living in the world, they're just kind of in the world. Oh, they I, don't I, interact I, with I have them. that in my notes. <laughs> yeah, um, but like, you know, they're not like, you know, living in a cave doing stuff or playing with each other or like there's just no interaction with the environment and i feel like that's something that especially the new pokemon snap did really really well it's like you're going through taking pictures of these pokemon in their environment doing things in their environment that were interesting and unique and there were secrets to what they were doing Mm -hmm. like i'd like to see that level of detail to a certain extent brought over into something like arceus i know there's a scaling issue there to a certain point because that's a lot of fine detail and doing it on the scale of what arceus is trying to do might be somewhat tricky but i feel like there's a balance in there that arceus didn't quite meet like the open world definitely felt like an afterthought like they Mm -hmm. really focused on that core okay this is how you capture and you know explore uh, for new pokemon but they didn't really think about okay we have this big open world let's make this part interesting it just kind of threw a bunch of pokemon in it and kind of left it at that well it's interesting so. you mentioned that because i i feel like that very much connects with one of the questions i had for you leading into the this conversation but um probably one of my favorite questions that i had <laughs> drawn up was uh is it incumbent for the pokemon company to release a product with uh building upon things that you had just talked about but also adding things like voice acting visually being more you know being more appealing easier on the eyes being more having better graphical fidelity and then like you said adding all of those open world elements and really building upon it better doing a little bit more do you think with uh do you think with the pokemon company having the highest revenue generating ip in the world do you think it's incumbent on them to to do better to really Um. go into that direction so, I mean, I guess generally I'd say yes, but if we're being specific, so you mentioned voice acting. Um, voice acting, I honestly kind of lean on a no. Like, I don't feel like that's a necessity. Um, I think the thing is, like, voice acting is such a mixed bag. Like, whether well, it be in a high-profile AAA game or, you know, something like a basic indie game. Like, well, good for that is that... Game, but... No, I was just, real quick, good for that is the fact that it, uh, like, it, it does make... It still makes sense a little bit for me because it is a... A Japanese title and for the most part most JRPGs and anime you know a lot of that stuff still is still heavily subtitled and you know still like I I don't know I didn't mean to cut you off but yeah no that's fair and like I don't think that is a requirement like don't get me wrong if they could do some good voice acting I think that could add to it I don't think that's really a requirement for me. But at the same time, you think, you know, this is a game that's based after a TV show. So, you know, they definitely have resources to make pool voice actors from the show in there if you want to go that far. Not that, you know, they follow the anime storyline very much. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just feel like voice acting can be a real mixed bag. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. They could kind of like split the difference and do something kind of like what Breath of the Wild did where there's moments of voice acting and then there's, you know, still text dialogue to kind of fill mm-hmm. in places here and there. But like even in that game, which that's, you know, an extremely high-profile game, the voice acting was, you know, kind of mixed. There was some good stuff, some not-so-good stuff. So 
I don't know. For that particular point, I'd say no. They're not really required, or there's a necessity for them to do that. <clears throat> as far as the graphics, though, yeah, I feel like they could have done more. I and I mean, I'll be the first to sympathize with developers. I mm -hmm. mean. I understand the time crunches they're under, the shifting requirements from management. The pandemic, of course, I'm sure put a lot of pressure under them. So all of that, I know, I'm not trying to come down hard on, oh, these Pokemon developers were lazy and should have done better. I don't think that's the case. But you do have, as you were saying, a IP that is, what, the highest grossing or highest generating revenue stream in the world for entertainment. Like, they've got money and resources to funnel into technology and high-end talent, like, the level that they put out for this kind of you know visual quality is just really subpar for something um, for something of their caliber well, or that they should be of their caliber. It also could be like an extremely uh, what's the the phrase? I mean, it could be an extremely double-edged sword situation where it's like, yeah, you have all this money, you have all of this these things you can put into into the game, but you also have such a rabid, diehard fan base. That changing even like the my, the most minute smallest little aspect of it, it could send people into a frenzy. You know what I mean? So well, but when we're talking about graphical fidelity, what fan is going to be mad if they have a higher resolution or higher textured rock? Like I don't think any fans are mad about that. No, so I, well, like I meant more like level they could have. I meant more like to. the voice acting and changing up game elements. I mean, yeah, obviously everyone. Oh, yeah. And that I think is a different is, argument. Yeah. Like if, if when we get to like gameplay and we can talk about that in a few minutes, I definitely think that is a trickier, you know, trickier water to navigate. But just from a pure graphical standpoint, they could do more. And part of that's just the art style. Like at least in Arceus. The art style is pretty underwhelming and I think kind of uninspired in parts. Like the world doesn't really have like any like landmarks to it. Like there's like one big tree in the first area. That's your like your main landmark. There's like one temple and one other spot. Everything else is just bland nature. Um, and I think what bothers me about that is Pokemon clearly has a style. I mean, it's an anime with, with you know, years and years, decades of um, animation style and mm -hmm. motifs they can pull from. Or even just look at Pokemon Snap. That game has a lot of style. Like, that looks like Pokemon. Yes. And none of that translated over here. I don't want to say none of that, but very little of that. That game visually and, is leaps and bounds better than, than this one. Yeah. And to be fair, completely different games. I said that's an on-rail kind of deal. So the way it deals with, you know, loading in um, assets and character models and AI, very, very different. So the scale of what Arceus is doing definitely ha would have to pull back on that some. But, I mean, we've seen games yeah. on the Switch look as good, if not far better, than what we've seen. Well, Arceus. that, like, just, not, I'll let you finish, but that leads into one of my other questions for Phoenix, since he's he's going to rush right into it, was, are the, are the Switch's capabilities slash architecture a fair scapegoat for the, I guess, lackluster nature of some of the graphical fidelity? So keep going. I mean, so it's hard to say. I don't know all the technical aspects of it, and the Switch is by no means a powerful system by today's standards, but... Um... I mean, I know you mentioned it when you were doing your little quick uh, summary after beating the main campaign. Breath of the Wild was a launch. I was just going to bring that up when you yep. mm -hmm. Um And at least just focusing on the world, the world looked far better. Oh, yeah. Now, to be fair, if we're thinking about it from, like, how many, uh, like, you know, actual enemies and characters are on the map at a given point, Pokemon technically has a lot more things on the map. I mean, you've probably got several hundred... <clears throat> Uh, Pokemon that are placed across a map at a given point with interactions and AI and you know spawn rates and all this other crazy stuff happening. So there's a lot of processing happening there. 
Breath of the Wild didn't have that. Like, they would load in much smaller segments of enemies. You might have a handful to deal with at any given mm-hmm. point. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's hard to gauge there. I don't know how they're doing their memory management or any of that, but I'll tell you, I feel like they could have optimized it more than they did to put pull a little more something out of it. Um, I know people like to also point to, like, Xenosaga or not. Yes, Xenosaga? No, I'm sorry. Um, a Xenoblade. Think of the wrong Xeno. Um, I know like nothing Xenoblade about Xenoblade. Never played any of those games. <laughs> I haven't played them either. I've watched some gameplay of them, and they do look fantastic. I'm now, sure. I don't know, once again, how they compare as far as, like, having a bunch of characters on the screen at the same time. That really does take a hit, man. It's a lot of processing power, but I don't know. Part of me feels like they could have... They could have done a little more here. It definitely feels like there was room for improvement that I think the Switch could have, you know, eked out a little more power from. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. They could have done a little more. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess another kind of, like, I've mentioned to you um, in the past, but, like, my favorite aspect of the game was the, essentially, the boss encounters. So I was just, uh, another interesting question I had for you is, um, do you feel like the addition of the Alpha slash Noble Pokemon and the, the aspect of you calming these frenzied nobles with bombs, do you feel like that was a, I don't know, do you, was it, to you, was it a, a pleasant replacement for a lot of the gym leader battles in Elite Fours from previous Pokemon games? Because for me, I really enjoyed all of the boss encounters. I felt like they were very fast twitchy. I really liked the, the, the additions of you kind of dodging all of these attacks from these giant mega-sized Pokemon and, you know, needling your kind of bombs and, and stuff like that and then kind of interspersing you know weakening the pokemon and battling them i felt like was a a neat way to kind of have some battling going on in there as opposed mm-hmm. to like i don't know the elite fours were normally simple it was boom fight next room boom fight you know what i mean so what did you think about uh those kind of replacing some of that stuff yeah so you and me are going to differ quite a bit here really um, yeah i didn't hate those battles by any means but I don't know, bar, once I figured out the first one and like realized that you don't even have to fight them with your Pokemon, you can just spam them with bombs. Yeah, I, I, I do agree bomb, with that. Bomb, yeah. bomb. Like, they became really easy, really quick. I mean, the only one that I think was somewhat engaging was the um, the Electro battle. That one was kind of um, intense. I feel like, like that one was battle, easy. The, yeah, the, the, the Avalug for me was maybe the more most engaging one I felt like, but... That was me. I, I liked that one, I guess, in comparison to some, but I thought that one was pretty straightforward. The final boss, I thought was the easiest. I did that one, I think, first shot. Oh, yeah, I um, agree. I definitely agree with that. I don't know. Like, they were neat, and, I mean, I understand why they didn't have gym um, battles in there, so they needed some kind of replacement. Um, I'm not saying that something like this should go away, but it's definitely, to me, not a replacement for those. Um, and I will say this, though, because um, you still haven't played any of the post-game, right? No, literally the last stream I did was I captured, you know, uh, Dialga and Palkia, and literally it just said, okay, now your Pokemon adventure begins, and then I saved and cut away, (laughs) pretty much. So the next segment, like, you definitely need to do, um, Mm -hmm. because honestly, I feel like it's the real end of the story, and I think it kind of, honestly, is more climactic than even what the game ended as, and it felt more elite, four-y, battle-y, I mean, not really, but it kind of had that high-stakes moment to it, which... I liked. I didn't really feel like I had that for any of the other um, uh, battles with, you know, just the bombs. Well, and well, I felt like what made the Elite Four, I don't know, going off on a little tangent, but I felt like what made the Elite Four super fun wasn't necessarily like how the mechanics of it, but it was just straight difficulty. Like that was what mm-hmm. made those fun is that it was like, boom, 
ridiculous battle, boom, ridiculous battle, boom, dragons, you know what I mean? Well, um, it gave you a chance to really test your, your metal skill. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, they were hard unless you really understood the mechanics of the game. You came with a good team that had the right move set and you had to counter. I'm like, that's where I think that's where a lot of people were really disappointed with Arceus is the battling. Not only was there not much of it, but the battling that's on offer here is far lesser than older mm-hmm. games. Like, um, <laughs> it's not nearly as fleshed out. It's not really in any kind of competitive um, standing right no, now. No, like, no, no, no. So under power, there's things missing. Um, like. I, I do miss that, and I feel like that's something that... I mean, although I understand why they didn't put a lot of focus on it in this game. This game's very much about collecting the Pokemon and capturing them, less about battling them. Mm-hmm. That's still an important aspect, and I feel like they need to get that part of their community back and offer a boosted, you know, battle system again, which, honestly, that I'm not too worried about that. I definitely think that's something that's easy for them to pull back from. Just look back at their old games and kind of pull those features back in, and I think they can definitely beef up the battle system. Well, I, mean, I, I appreciate they tried the agile, strong thing. That was neat, but they can definitely, you know, pull back some of the old competitive uh, features. Well, I think all of this stems from when they got rid of uh, Professor Oak. Oh, they, yeah. need, they need to get Professor Oak back up in there, because... Man, I did not like the professor in Arceus. I hated that story. Oh, he sucked. <laughs> Him and his beanie and his mustache. He was not great. I do feel like... Is Pokemon the anime still happening? I'm sure that has to be. Oh, it's still going. I don't know where they're at. But it's still still chugging along. Alright, well, I guess I'll move on. Um, uh, oh, wow. I want to see if there's anything else I want to mention. I made some notes about it, too. Oh! oh. Let's go! Phoenix has got notes. Well, and he used me all those questions, so I was going to try to answer them. Oh, so you mentioned, um, I don't know if you mentioned this, but I kind of want to bring Whose it up. Whose show so. is this? Is this your show? I think it's, I think it's my Maybe show. it should be. <laughs> hey, I'd help you get OBS set up. Uh, um, no no so one how... heard that. I'm not, I'm going to bleep that out. <laughs> so you mentioned, or you asked me about, you know, the, uh, those battles replacing the gym leaders, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's whatever. How did you feel about, like, the research levels kind of taking the place of badges? Um, I don't know, you know, I mean... I've mentioned to you, I've, I felt like for some reason, maybe it's because you were more adventurous than I and you were actually going out and doing more things in between the story parts that were making you level gated. Like, I felt like I was getting it, I was hitting more of those level gates than maybe you were because you said it wasn't a problem. But mm-hmm. there, there was literally one or two streams I had where I had to go maybe an hour, hour and a half worth of uh, just kind of grinding out battles and kind of doing all that stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess it was still. It's still pretty fun. I mean, for me, that kind of stuff still feels a little more more tedious. Like, mm-hmm. it's been a long time since I've actually played some of these Pokemon games and actually, like, I'll finish all of the main stories and all that stuff. But for a lot of these games, more modern recent games, I feel like I kind of just, I kind of fall off the games once I kind of do all of that stuff. I feel like the last time I really went out and maybe <coughs> completed a Pokedex might have been Ruby and Sapphire. So, like... I, that was when I was, like, super young. But, sure. yeah, I mean, I guess some of it was fun. I mean, I don't know. I think for me what I appreciated um, is just kind of the speed at which all of that stuff happens. Like, it, it definitely felt like a step up. Like, the biggest step up I feel like this game introduced and in a- <coughs> in adding to the Pokemon game uh, gameplay is I loved how expedited and quick it is to get in and out of battles like it like it's not just running in grass oh pokemon shows up cutscene long freaking battle 
cutscene away after you win or lose. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like these battles feel so much expedited where it's just like it really doesn't cut away. Like it's all like pretty free flowing and natural where it's like, oh, there's a Pokemon camera shifts over. Bam. You start throwing, you know, battles. It's it's I don't know. I really appreciated how kind of just quick and yeah, that, that's probably my favorite gameplay like improvement for the Pokemon games. So much so that like in the future, if other Pokemon games slow things back down, which you know it will, you know this game. Mm-hmm. This game probably is more along the lines of like a Pokemon Snap, where it's like this is a once in every five to ten year game for the most part every year that we're gonna get re releases. Or although, how many more re releases could there be? Haven't they already covered most of the games? Uh, well, they'd have to get into pretty modern um, generations to re release, but. I don't know. I'm hoping because this is technically a mainline game, um, so we'll see. I'm hoping that the gameplay style really bleeds over. But to your point about the speed of it, I mean, I think that's really helped me not feel overly like tedious or tired mm-hmm. from doing all the Pokedex. That definitely helps. Stuff, oh yeah, because yeah. if that if it was as slow as the previous games, I probably would have dropped dropped yeah. out. See, I'm kind of in between. I personally, I really like the research levels. I don't know if I would say they should be a, like a gym badge replacement, but. Um, I don't know, it really incentivized me to go through and, you know, play with Pokemon that I never would play for, look for them in places I'd never look for them. Like, I've been enjoying spending this extra time just, you know, checking off all these boxes. Maybe that's just mm-hmm. my personality and what I like. And I can definitely understand how for some that would be tedious. So I don't think that should ever be something that is, like, overly level-gating to anybody or be required by any means. But I'd like to see that stay in some fashion. Like, gym badges should probably come back because... I think at you know at a core Pokemon there's a competitive aspect. I think badges kind of feed into that, but maybe badges can start serving a different kind of role instead of just being like you have to have this badge to go here. Maybe like having the badge unlocks I don't know a special move. I don't know which I guess kind of does anyway. I don't know something else uh, that incentivizes you getting the gym badges different than incentivizing you from getting research levels. Didn't in the original and the classic Pokemon games the gym badges. Really, they let you use HMs. I was just gonna things. say it helped you movement. It helped you getting around the levels and all that sort of stuff, which was smart. That was really smart back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that kind of answers another one of my questions, which was talking about the overall game direction and what you want future Pokemon games to shape themselves as. And you already mentioned what we've already kind of talked about, what we'd like to be carried over. Um, I guess I'll round things out. Or did you have any other questions or anything? Um. I don't think anything in particular. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any other questions you sent me. There's only uh, one major question that I kind of have for you. That's more of a fun uh, one. Oh, what about the side missions? Oh yeah, that one I did. I did forget about that one. Um, honestly, I, I feel like I didn't get. I didn't. I, again, I feel like you did more adventuring than I did. I didn't do as many. Mm. Um, there was one in particular on my last stream I actually really enjoyed, and that was this guy who had had us feel. And it would keep rolling down a hill. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and and you had to keep chasing this feel, and eventually, you would catch up to it or something. It was yeah. It was, I mean, it was basic, but it was silly. Yeah, and then as you were trying to get to this feel, there's like all of these uh, crazy. Oh, I forgot the name of the Pokemon. What were the the red eyed alpha? Oh, the there's alpha, like all these yeah. alphas in the way, and I don't know. I felt like that was kind of fun, and just kind of feels kind of cute. It's cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, most of the side missions were nothing to write home about. There were a couple I thought were kind of interesting. Um, do you remember, did you do the one where um, the Drifloon was, like, stealing the kid? I did not. I didn't touch a lot oh. of those things. I, that's going to be something I probably do on the next stream. 
Yeah, so I, I thought that was interesting because one that's like part of the Pokedex is like kids would disappear because Drifloons would, I guess they weren't kidnapping them, but like they would hold on to the Drifloons and they just float away. It was kind of messed up. That's and you had a whole side quest where um, this kid is like disappearing at night and they're not sure why. Oh, like, oh we saw him hanging out by the beach with the Drifloom. <laughs> And then you go out to search for him, and the Drifloom's got his little tentacles wrapped around the kid. He's like, help! Yikes. It was kind of horrifying, but... That kind of reminds it, me of, uh... I mean, you're a Zelda, you're more of a Zelda guy than I am, but what's that... There's always, like, that one demon creature that everyone thinks is evil in the towns. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. like, it ends up being just kids just go to him because he's friendly. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like that, but, you know, it was kind of dark, too. And there were a couple of, um, mentions of kind of some dark stuff in this game, like... Um, it wasn't oh, yeah. a side mission, but what was it? Uh, they were talking about how the first survey team who went out to deal with the uh, cleaver or whatever got like mauled or something. Mm, like, I remember seeing hearing that. And there's also um, like an aspect of um, like when you first start the game and you enter the town, it it definitely feels like an like a there's like a hint of like um, I don't want to say racism, but there's a hint of like. Um, they're afraid of like outsiders and stuff yes and exactly it's very like we don't trust you you know who are you yeah they're you know? all about their plans and stuff which mm -hmm. you know back then i guess i don't know not quite racist not but it's yeah that, i think that's the wrong term yeah but, it's um, I, I don't like nationalist or something yes like that. yes exactly um maybe yeah, I mean... sectionalist or like yeah, I mean, this is still very much, you know, a kid game with, like, overall tones, but there was some dark stuff in there. Um, the post-game uh, stuff gets a little weird, so um, definitely recommend it. So, I don't know. I mean, I like the side quests well enough. There was nothing mind-blowing, but there were a fun cute There was, a, like, a main... <clears throat> there was, like, a main side quest I didn't do. I remember uh, Professor Lavington says something about go to the water and there's a Pokemon out there something oh, yeah. some sort of major pokemon i went out there and i never saw it i'm, a, so, I'm guessing what there is is there's a cave in front of the volcano i'm guessing in that cave there's like a major pokemon battle or something that happens there but kind of so this one it's interesting the way they did it i had to look it up because basically you had to have played um was it brilliant Di uh, diamond or shining pearl there. oh i think the name of the mission is like the legend of the sea or something like that and there's actually nothing in Arceus that tells you how to do that mission. Mm -hmm. But if you go to the library in Brilliant Diamond, there's a book called The Legend of the Sea. And it tells you to take three Pokemon to an archway and it unlocks a cave. So if you didn't know that from the other game, you couldn't figure it out in this game. Um, huh. So you had to have like what a, the, was it the was it Overquill? And I don't know, the little um, Weasel. Oh, I was like three Pokemon you had to bring with you. And then mm -hmm. it opened up and you were able to get into um, a little cave that had a couple of mythic Pokemon I mean, in that it. That would make sense because I know this game acts as like a time-based pre precursor to. Yeah. No. I mean, don't worry, I think that's a neat idea to kind of pull from the other game. It's definitely one of those things that if you didn't know about that, though, you're going to be scratching your head. So. I don't know if there's a way they could have kind of, you know, alluded to that a little more, but I don't know. They definitely tried some interesting things with the uh, the side missions, so you know, I appreciated them. Fair enough. I mean, like I said, I I don't really answer too much of your of the of, of the even question I made out for you, but because I didn't really get to play much. I mean, I I kind of mainly jetted through a lot of the story. I did some side missions here or there, but <clears throat> for the most part, I I may have done maybe fifteen to twenty side missions when there's like. 60, 70. I think there's a lot more than that, actually. Yeah, they get in the 90s, and I've done pretty much all of them. So I've really enjoyed this game. Like, I definitely have plenty of critiques, but 
I want to see the core of what this game is doing moving forward. Like, mm-hmm. fix the graphics, make the world feel more lived in, or, you know, however they need to go about making the world more engaging. Um, I think, too, they don't even have to have an open world. Like, not that they have an open world right now. I mean, I think the scope is nice, but they could pull it down if it would help them, you know, pull some more performance out of the system. Like, go like a, um, a Twilight Princess-style game where you have, like, a big hub in the middle, like your Hyrule Field kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That could be the big area. And there's a bunch of little branching areas that are smaller in scope, but a lot more detailed, more interesting. So, I don't know. I definitely there's a lot they could do with this game. I definitely wanted to see them take the core of this and move forward. That's, I don't want to go back to the hidden wild yeah. battles and the grass anymore. That's super interesting because what I think the game is missing is battle royale, microtransactions, and NFTs. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I just I just ticked off like all well, of the Pokemon Ubisoft, fan base. Uh, takes over the next Pokemon game, then we'll be good to go. I already got you know Mario Rabbids. Now we just need Pikachu Rabbids, and we're you know going that direction. Yeah, I know most of the Pokemon fan base just dropped with heart attacks because of uh, <laughs> <laughs> all, all one of them that's watching the the stream. Right we'll now. only give I'll you stream. your first Pokemon. Every other Pokemon is two ninety nine. <laughs> uh, all right, so I guess uh, my final question. I mean, I feel like shoot, we've sp- I was planning these uh, these videos to be like thirty minutes, and we've spent twenty <laughs> on Pokemon alone. Yeah. I'm sorry, um, I had a lot to throw Pokemon. No, I feel like I honestly felt like out of the four topics, Pokemon was the one we would spend the most time on. So that's good. Um, uh, I guess my final kind of question is, um, where does where does Pokemon Legends Arceus rank with you in your favorite Pokemon games? Oof. Um, you don't have so to rank be... them all, but just, you know, a oh, general... Yeah, I couldn't. Uh, to be fair, there's a bunch I haven't played. I think after like the first couple of generations, like I started like, skipping every other generation. Um... So I'm same I mean, way. One, one is still my favorite, and I'm, that's going to be nostalgia. I think more than anything else. Like I was the ten year old when mm-hmm. Pokemon was released, and I was in the middle of Pokemon fever. So, um, you know, Pokemon Red forever and always will be my number one. Uh, you know, I agree. Yellow is right up there with it. And I'm not sure saying that's <laughs> the best game. Like I'm sure it is extremely dated by all modern standards. But you know, what can I say? Nostalgia is a crazy drug. Um, my second's probably Generation Three. That's a uh, Ruby Sapphire, right? Yes. Um, yeah, I love that one. Gen 2 just felt too much like it didn't do enough for me. It was like, okay, that's kind of neat. But Gen 3, I mean, really, I think, added a lot to it. I think I Gen wrong, 2, all it added was... was like a day and night cycle, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was like the only major thing it had. Yeah, 3, I feel like, added a lot. I feel like that's when breeding came in, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Mm. Um, 3 also had just... the judging thing. That was so much fun to do. Yeah. Uh, it was just a lot in yeah. that game. And I'll be honest, I mean, as I haven't played a lot of the games. I've um, all the DS ones I missed. I still haven't played Black and White. Same. I mean, I've tried a few times, but I get like five hours in, I just drop off. I feel like me and I you think... have played almost, probably almost all the same Pokemon game. Yeah. yeah. I think the problem is like just about every game I've played since three doesn't feel like it really adds enough to make it feel like that much better than mm-hmm. even just Gen three. I mean, so graphically they're maybe a little better. There's a few more features, but. The core of the game up to that is just like the same. I think I've um, heard Black and White has like a really good story, but I've that's that too, but that's why about I it. To get into it, yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. But the gameplay is the same, mm-hmm. so I don't know, no, nothing about that really hooked me. And then Sword and Shield really kind of took me off. I think at that point I was just like, yeah, they're never changing this. game. I mentioned so. that in my stream. Sword and Shield for me was like, that I mean, low point. <laughs> I mean, the low point for like me it. was Sun and Moon, but mm. yeah, I didn't play Sun and Moon. Um, Sun and Moon, was but anyways. Just, yeah. This would probably rank third. Gen 1, Gen 2, and then this. Uh, this is the 
probably the first game that's felt different since then. Um, I don't know if you watched. Do you watch Dunkey at all? Video game Dunkey? Yeah, I watched yeah. his Arceus review. Actually, it was like four uh, minutes was, long. <laughs> yeah, I just I thought it was really funny, but so fairly he's like, yeah, Arceus is their second game. <laughs> it basically it, is. Yeah, I kind of. That's is. so funny. You bring even that like, up. even like Ruby Sapphire. I mean, it, at its core, it's still the same stuff. I mean, it's add some features, but the game is still the same game. Mm-hmm. Arceus is the first time they've done something like really different and. I don't know. I want to see this continue forward. All the other games just kind of fall underneath this somewhere in some kind of, you know, mixed bag. But, yeah, one, three, and Arceus. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I were to... I mean, mine would almost be <coughs> exactly the same. I mean, I, part of me wants to... Part of me definitely wants to say Gen 1 is my favorite. But I think in terms of... It's me making an argument, but, like... I think Gen 3 is probably the probably a better overall game than the original. Mm-hmm. But one for nostalgia purposes, I'll, I'll have it at one. One is one. But yeah, that's fair. I think I think Ruby and Sapphire if you were to compare what you can do in the game, all of the elements for it, I think it's a much better game <laughs> probably. But yeah, oh, yeah. No, I don't disagree with that. I would say one then three, and then I would get into the argument of whether two or Arceus. Or actually, oh, I'm forgetting. I would put Colosseum at three. I don't know why mm. I'm forgetting. And I also forgot Pokemon Snap. You know how much I love Pokemon Snap. Yeah, I mean, if you're bringing to the side ones, that changes. I thought we were sticking to this kind of, you know, main line. But um, is this a main... Oh, well, I guess this is... This is technically a mainline game. Okay, it's so... officially mainline. So, we'll keep Pokemon Snap out, but I... I mean, I would say this closely resembles something like Colosseum or Gale of Darkness. I would think maybe... I disagree with that. Really? Like, well, think about the core of those games. Like, they were... I mean, they had some... They were more narrative-focused, I suppose, and battling, but very little capturing and stuff. Like, wasn't... I haven't played them in forever, but wasn't that we could capture them? I know Gale of Darkness, you had to, like, cleanse the Pokemon. It was all about cleansing. battle. And you and could I only capture like certain Pokemon that were evil or whatever yeah i didn't really like that coliseum i vaguely remember but it was kind of the same like style of game in a way um what about pokemon go that's not a, that's probably not a <laughs> i enjoyed go for what it was like i don't think there's anything wrong with go um like i mean it revolutionized the world for what three months uh yeah for three weeks um but yeah for me i guess excluding all those other games i would say for mainline Pokemon games, then, I would say one, then three. It would be tough, though, again, between two and then Arceus. Maybe maybe I'll, th- I'll, th- I'll throw Arceus in there. Two is too similar to one. So I would say one, three, Arceus, and then two. I feel like our lists are pretty similar. Now, I'm sure most people probably feel that way, although... It's going to come down to nostalgia. I think we're just about everybody. And then maybe like, like X and Y would come in right after Arceus. I really liked uh, X and Y. I liked it fine, but it's in the same boat. Like it didn't feel all that amazing compared to even advancements from mm-hmm. Ruby Sapphire. Like I think it just it depends. What game did you start out playing Pokemon with? Um, I know for a lot of people, Diamond and Pearl is their favorite, and. I mean, from what I know about the games, and if the correlation to Arceus is anything to go by, like they seem like pretty solid titles. Um, but I don't know. From pretty much Gen One through like I don't even know what Gen we're at, the core of the games have been so much the same for so long mm-hmm. that 
just the fact that Arceus is so different really just gives it a step up. Now, maybe I'll feel differently in a few years if it doesn't, you know, um, I don't know, age so well with some different advancements, <laughs> but I, don't, I like it for what it is, for sure. Fair enough. All right, guys. Well, I think that'll wrap up our thoughts on Pokemon uh, Legends Arceus. Overall, I want to talk a few more hours on it. No, no, I gotta end it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, if you guys haven't been able to tell, I mean, I very much enjoyed the game, and it sounds like Phoenix really enjoyed the game. I mean, I, overall, this is the direction I hope future Pokemon games go in. I don't know anything about the story if they're gonna continue to try and keep in the before times, before dinosaur, po or before Pokemon, you know, t time frame. But yeah, all right. So I guess. We'll stick on the more the Nintendo train, and uh, we will move on to yeah. We'll move on to recently on two nine with Nintendo's recent Nintendo Direct, which I felt like was pretty entertaining. Um, I felt like it might be kind of fun. I mean, we won't spend too much time on this topic, but I feel like it might be kind of fun for us just to kind of go through and. You know, mention any big titles that we uh, might be kind of excited for. Something that we, maybe anything I might plan on uh, covering on the channel. But uh, yeah, so Phoenix, I mean, here's my list. Um, is there anything really here that stuck out for you? There's a couple of things. I mean, I'll just my general feel on the Direct, it was fine. There's very little, I think, that really just like spoke to me as, you know, earth-shattering news or anything. I'm sure a lot of people can probably agree with it, but there's some solid, you know, remasters in there. It's good to hear some information about, you know, like Splatoon 3 and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I guess probably the big thing that I know people are, I guess not up in arms about, but that there was some controversy is how, how they're handling Mario Kart because everybody, you know, wanted Mario Kart 9 and instead of we're just getting more Mario Kart 8 DLC. Mm -hmm. Um how do you feel about that? I know you're, you know, like huge into Mario Kart, but you know, how do you played it? Um, I mean, you you kind of you, you you kind of summed it up pretty well when I when I brought it up to you to you and some other friends. But you know, I mean, for people that would want a Mario Kart Nine, it's like, sure, you might want a new game, but like, how much are you really going to be expecting to get? You're going to get a new game that probably is going to play similar, you know, similarly to Mario Kart Eight, and it's going to have what, maybe a third of the levels that, you know, the current game probably has, and then this new game is going to, or this older game, Mario Kart 8, is going to be adding, what is it, 48 levels, I think it was, you know, from classic games. I, 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 I feel like people that are huge fans of Mario Kart should be excited. I would actually be excited if I had the game. I would be excited for this. Now, again, I didn't, I should have had the numbers, but I don't know how, I don't know the price point that these... It wasn't real expensive. I want to say, and I could be wrong, twenty thirty whole bucks. DLC pack is like $25. That's not bad. Which, for as many uh, courses as you're getting, and it's part of the expansion pass thing. Mm -hmm. um, not that I'm advocating for that just yet, but it's starting to add some value to it, which is nice. But, yeah, no, I mean, I already mentioned to you a while back, but I don't, right now, I can't think of anything Mario Kart 9 could really give you that's going to be that much better than Mario Kart 8. And I could be wrong. I'm not developing the game. Maybe Miyamoto is down there with some crazy magic doing some stuff. I don't know. But um, 8 is so solid and has so much to it already with the roster and everything they've already added to it. Just keep it going. Um, people just want more courses, and that's exactly what they're getting. So I think that's honestly the best thing for everybody. People don't Man, buy you were game. so angry gen like last generation about having to... Okay. About <laughs> I was mad about that, and I still am. So, um, 
this is a part I've been butthurt about for the past like five years. So I'll let you uh, go Mario off. Kart... You go off, King. Oh. Uh, well, Mario Kart 8, you know, was a Wii U title, and I played it like crazy on the Wii U. Me and like three other people in the world who had a Wii U played that game a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know the Switch version <laughs> comes out. And I'm like, okay, that's fair enough. But the Wii U was still at the time being supported. I'm like, okay released the battle mode for the Wii U. Give me that DLC. I'd pay 10, 20 bucks for it. I don't care. Mm -hmm. But no, they wouldn't do it. I'm like, I'm not giving them no more money. So I was dying on that hill for a while. But then I found Mario Kart 8 Deluxe at the pawn shop for like 10 bucks. So now I don't care anymore. Um, well, there you go. But so, yeah. But no, I think that was a good decision overall. Um, I think Miyamoto said it. And I don't think it was in terms of like Mario Kart 8. It was... Oh, what game was it? Maybe it was a Star Fox or something, but basically he said, no, it was a F-Zero. He's like, the reason we haven't put out a new F-Zero is like, there's nothing else that we can think to do that's going to be better for it. So why mm -hmm. would we put out a new game? And I know that probably makes some um, uh, fans mad because they, of course, want a new entry in their franchise. But seriously, like, why um, tarnish the game or the franchise putting uh -oh. out a new game just to put it out? Yeah. Miyamoto said this, I believe, about F-Zero. Um, mm -hmm. They're like, why would we put out a new F-Zero game if there's nothing else we can really do to improve upon it? And I think that's honestly a really good stance. I know that a lot of fans are probably you know upset about that because they want to you know, have a new entry in their favorite franchise, but why tarnish a game just releasing a new entry just because? I mean, we kind of saw that happen with, um, with Star Fox. I mean, I guess they had something they thought they could innovate on it, but I don't know. Honestly, I think it didn't add anything with the was it Star Fox was it Zero? Was that what they added? And I was that, that the, was that the weird Wii U game? Yeah. Um and that's an example of seeing what Miyamoto thought was gonna be an interesting idea, just kind of your belly flop. So mm -hmm. I'd be afraid to see what he decided to do for Mario Kart nine. Maybe you have to play with I don't know, the Joy Cons tied to your ear or something. I don't know. <laughs> so I'd rather just enjoy the game for what it is, let Mario Kart eight go on as long as it needs to be, as long as, you know, it's solid and they're putting out content for it. Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, again, I feel like I feel like people who are diehard. I feel like the people that are probably angry about this are people that probably aren't playing Mario Kart very much, and the people that are probably playing that kind of game are probably like, "Cool, I've been playing Mario Kart Eight like every day, you know." Anyways, here's the thing, because um, you probably watched uh, Spawn Wave every once in a while, but uh, they do over the um, what's the MPD numbers of the sales and whatnot, and mm -hmm. like it almost never fails. Mario Kart is like. Almost the top or oh, the top it's like GTA Five. Yeah, yeah, that like GTA Five. That's always what always sells, and a Call of Duty every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And that's even now after however many years of that game being out on the uh, platform. So there's still people who are just buying the game who are going to enjoy this new content. It's sold like 40 million copies, so they're going to make a killing with just that DLC. And I think mm -hmm. plenty of people are going to get enjoyment out of it. So I'm cool with that. I agree. I totally agree. Um, let's see. I'm going to see what, uh, what, I mean, something that for me personally, it's, I'm not even quite sure why, but, uh, there was a game that was announced called Live Alive, mm -hmm. which I, yeah. I kind of like certain JRPGs. I don't play too much of them as much as I should. I mean, maybe I should start doing some more streams on those, saying as how much I do like them. JRPG? I'm not or even quite it... sure what kind of game that I, th I think it's a form of RPG. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know enough a lot about. It. I know it's an old, you know, Japanese game. It's a from the Japanese 90s, title. Yeah, yeah, they're finally pulling over, but it's like you it looks go cool. Different, like, um, what is it like ages or generations or something? Like the gameplay changes each time. Like, um, I, don't know, I thought it looked pretty cool. Um, 
I don't, I'm not like jumping to play it anytime soon, but I'm definitely intrigued. I'll play some B-roll while we're... Yeah. But yeah, I think it looks pretty interesting. I mean, I like kind of that, the weird little animation that it has going. I, I mean... I, and the style seems to change, like, depending on which portion of the game you're in, which I thought was kind of cool. It's very, like, I think from what I from what I remember seeing, it's, like, time-related. Like, you're going through different time frames. Like, it... Yeah. Like, you're, you're in a Western, from what I can tell. You go into, like you know japan and then you're in present day yeah, and then it's future yeah, it's not always an arpg though either like you've got times where, like it's a fighting game it looks like mm -hmm. a platformer so it's cool i mean i don't know when i'm gonna get around to actually playing it but i am intrigued at the very least to check it out yeah uh, yeah I, I agree uh, this is this isn't what i know much about i mean i know this is one of those games that like you know people that love japanese games are like whoa <laughs> but yeah yeah Again, that's one that I thought looked really cool. Um, I don't know. Anything else you thought stuck out to you? Uh, how'd you feel about Mario Strikers? I've never played a Mario Strikers game. I mean, I'm, I feel like I... I played with friends back in the day. They're, they're, I mean, they're always fun. Most of those Mario Sports games, rarely are they not fun. Um, this one looked good. It looked, you know... Uh, colorful and had some cool like modes and features to it like I like the what was it you have like a special skill and can like knock out half the team by shooting into mm -hmm. the goal or something so I feel like people though were like I think that was the biggest um, announcement that kind of resonated with people and people acted so shocked about it and for me it was like like dude they just recently released a tennis and a golf game like but you, they haven't put out a Strikers in, in like a 10 while. years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to say, was it Wii? Might be 15 years. Yeah. We, I, to me, it was not unexpected. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. It looks fun, unexpected, though. But yeah, it looks good. I'm, I think it looks good. Um, I'm interested with the Chrono Cross remaster. Um, I haven't played all the way through Chrono Cross. It's like on my. It's originally um, a PS1 game, right? Game. Yeah. Yeah. The pseudo sequel, spiritual sequel to um, Chrono Trigger. Uh, which love Chrono Trigger, so okay. and this would be a chance maybe I'll actually sit down and play the whole thing. Wish I had um, a copy of Chrono because it's a um, it's a remaster, not a remake. So that means it should be pretty, hopefully, akin to the original. Um, mm -hmm. I'm hoping they don't jack up the art style too much. They just you know make it look pretty, make it run better, and then I'd be down for giving it uh, a go. Yeah, another one. I mean, I didn't need to see any more, but I'm kind of excited for Kirby and the Forgotten Land. No, especially no one I get to. Car. Yeah, <laughs> they're calling him Carby. Yeah, I haven't heard that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> call him That's Carby. The guy who modded him into Mario Kart. That was pretty great. Yeah, it looks pretty funny. I think it looks fun. I mean, Carby. looks looks very much in the in the vein of I guess Mario like Odyssey. Kirby, yeah, but say like Kirby Odyssey, which mm -hmm. I've never been a huge Kirby fan. Like I've enjoyed them well enough, but um, I don't know. I could be down for some Kirby Odyssey. We'll see. And that transitions really well to you having to replay all the Kingdom Hearts games now. Oh, I just saw, <laughs> was, was it on Kotaku? I don't remember, but people were talking about how bad it is. I'm sure. Uh, I know I've seen plenty of videos on YouTube of people showing off the lag and all the desync issues and stuff. And it's, who thought that was a good idea? Like cloud game, here's the thing. I am, for the most part, a proponent uh, for cloud gaming. I definitely mm -hmm. think one day that's going to be it. But let's be real. It's not it yet. Um, and I think on something like the Switch, especially if you're out on mobile with bad spotty Wi-Fi, like, that's just a bad way, I think, to sell that game. Especially for a uh, community that's so die-hard, like, 
people want to play Kingdom Hearts and play it well. They don't want to play a crappy little port that's going to, you know, have lag and be in subpar experience. Mm-hmm. And I know other people have said this, but 1 and 2 and probably most of the spinoffs could have run natively on the Switch. It is a PS2 game, for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah. Um, the like Switch can run Doom. Or... <laughs> it's like... What... Yeah, the Switch is powerful enough. That This clearly feels like they were cutting some corners to save some costs to mm-hmm. kind of make a quick buck. Man, I could be wrong, but that's what it feels like to me. Uh, even if they left out 3, like, and also, let's be real, for those who have played it, 3 is not the best game in that series by any means. So, just, even if it was the 1 and 2 collection, that would have been a better way to go about this, but they didn't, so they're going to be reeling from that for a while. Their, yeah. their audience is not happy. Actually, something, another, right underneath this one, something that I think is really cool, is I actually don't Klonoa. know, I don't know anything about Klonoa, but me and you are video game collectors, and most people out there it's that are video crazy. game collectors know this is a ridiculously expensive game. So wasn't it like four hundred dollars? Yeah, one is like a hundred dollars, I think, and two and is two is a couple hundred. I know at least. I have. Oh, which one? I think I've two is the more expensive only. one. I'm pretty sure. Ooh, I'm gonna check real quick because I know I've got one of them. Uh, I've got Klonoa two. Um, it's not the most expensive. Is it's it the first loose. one? Uh, well, hold on. I'm looking at two. So two is $65 loose, 91 complete. Klonoa one, I'm pretty sure, is the pricier one. Let me find oh, it. Oh, I thought it was the um, opposite. I'm a professional you? game collector. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it is 239 loose, and you have 483 complete now. So almost $500. Oh, so, yeah. Well, like I said, and there's the Wii version that's like ninety dollars, but Klonoa is pricey. Like I said, guys, it, it that's a really cool thing for them to release because mm-hmm. again, it's really hard to get it's really hard to get a hold of that game, and any other way, I I know it's also a port and it's you know I Nintendo is weird thing. with their ports, but it is still a great thing. I agree for them to release that. That's one thing I like about this direct, even though a lot of the games I'm not you know dying to play. A lot of ports. They are pulling a lot of remasters, which I like. I mean, a lot of people don't like rebuying a game, but the way the gaming market, especially like collectible it's uh, a good game, has gone up, okay. yeah, the market's like really boxed people out of being able to enjoy good games. Like, Klonoa, it's a $500 game. Who's going to mm-hmm. go out and buy that? Nobody. But if you can get it here for, you know, 60 bucks or less, that's a great thing. So I am glad to see them doing that. I wish they'd do more stuff like that. May not with like the PlayStation stuff so much, but expand their uh, like n64 offerings on their service um get some of those expensive games on there that way people have a way to play like sculptors cut or you know things like that they, they just clearly can't get a hold of um feasibly so i don't know i think it's a good thing yeah um again another cool thing i love portal i'm prof i mean if i were to go out and buy this i would almost definitely play through the games again um some of my, some of mine and your favorite games i would say portal one and two. Oh yeah yeah, I love Portal. Um, I don't know if I'll buy that one physical or not. I've already got Portal. Um, oh, it's more of a collective piece. Things. Yeah, we've got it on Steam. and. Well, I would probably actually get of... it digital because um, I'd actually want to play it again. I think it's a good game to have on the Switch like mm-hmm. for some quick little you know puzzle action. So I might grab that as a digital copy since I've already got physicals for 360 or whatever I have it for now. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you guys uh, get on Phoenix there, maybe we'll do another uh, me and him stream of us playing Portal 2. I'm sure that on the tall, lanky robot. I'm sure that's not going to be incredibly annoying to see me just standing off to the side in Phoenix, 
pointing out how to solve each of the each of the puzzles. I can solo all the co-op puzzles at this point, so I don't need you. I'm sure. I'll leave your stubby little robot on the ground. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, another, maybe the second largest announcement from this was the Nintendo Switch Sports, which for me is a... going to make them a crap load of money. To me, it doesn't make sense unless they're going to Unless they're going to bundle it up with a with another you know new console bundle, like I don't think just I don't think they need to do that. I mean, don't get me wrong, they'd be nice, but here's the thing: uh, the Switch sells without any console bundle just fine as it is. Um, this just gives people another game that they're going to buy. And let's be real; I mean, people remember Wii Sports, like mm-hmm. that's what sold the Wii. So this is what's going to get the grandmas back into gaming again because it's been. <sighs> What fifteen years? Gra- Grammys don't thing? Grammys don't need to be playing. <laughs> they may not need to, but they're gonna throw out their their. No, they will. We bowling. Um, <laughs> I guess in this case, switch bowling. So I think it's kind of a genius move. It wasn't even on my radar at all. Mm-hmm. But who doesn't love a few rounds of we? Uh, I keep saying we. Uh, switch sports tennis. I don't understand why that wasn't. Like, I, I see find it hard to believe that game was in development for long. You're telling me that couldn't have been something they put out with the Switch release? That would have been an incredible tie-in. You know, it'd be like yeah, a... They had 1-2 Switch, the best uh, opener to any console generation. Nonsense. I gave you money just so I could come over to your house and freaking buy the watch, yeah, play the no. game. <clears throat> there was a... Yeah, no, what mean, was, was the, the really uncomfortable... Was it Bear game or whatever it was? Oh, no, it was a... Were you a monk? A, a chimpanzee? What were you? Oh, oh yes, the romantic monkey thing. Romantic chimpanzee. Oh, that was weird. Yeah, but look anyway. at look at my eyes. Look at my. Yeah. Uh, no, but I did say it's not a full price game. It's like what forty bucks or something. So yeah. I mean, I honestly think it's probably a twenty dollar game. But then again, I don't know what went into the development. So mm-hmm. yeah, good for Nintendo. They're gonna buy a few more yachts. And kind of similar to uh, the Klonoa idea is another thing like. The Earthbound, they're getting mm-hmm. the two games are coming back for as a port as well. Same thing. Earthbound's like a hundred, hundred fifty dollar game, and I don't know how much the older one is. I think Earthbound Beginnings was like a was that an NES game? Uh, I know the 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 SNES one is the one people love, right? Yeah, because that's Mother Two and Mother One is this one. Yeah, I once again pile of shame for me. I've only started Earthbound, never finished it. Um, but it's, I mean, from what I played and what I know about, it's a pretty unique uh, RPG. <laughs> oh. I didn't think it was cool. You saw they gave away the uh, digital version of the strategy guide for free. Uh, I didn't know that, no. Yeah, like if you go to the Earthbound page on Nintendo's website or whatever, there's a link to actually download the old school Nintendo 64, mm-hmm. or I guess the Super Nintendo player guide for it in digital format. Completely free. From what I understand, that's the only way to play that game. Apparently that game is so confusing Confused. and... Yeah obtuse yeah it's i don't know <coughs> uh ba, ba, ba. so yeah again earthbound is really cool i mean as a port they're, they're expensive games so it's really cool um i don't know my favorite kind of more recent video was uh, if you guys haven't seen avgn's video of him uh finally experiencing earthbound it's it's pretty great go watch that i really enjoyed that video um and i guess we talked about mario kart so I don't know. We can kind of round this one out, but uh, I feel like Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was interesting. I'm surprised they ended the show on that. I mean, I... That's a big title for a lot of people. And I mean, looking across what they had on offer, 
guess that's kind of the biggest title. I mean, they didn't I know, have any obviously, news about Breath of the Wild Yeah, Tour. that's obviously what everyone wants more on. When do you think that's going to be an announcement? Like, either that, or I know people, some people are thinking Odyssey 2. I think that's a little further off, but when do you think they're going to actually talk about Breath of the Wild 2? I don't even know if that game comes out this year, to be honest. I it, I know it's slated to come out, I think it's holiday this year. I, Is it still this year supposed to come out? I thought it was, like, November, December. I mean, it could... Take... It could. I mean, it's been long enough. Um, and I will say this: Nintendo is definitely one of those companies who will be like, "Hey, here's our game. It'll be out in two uh, months." Just says initial release date 2022. So this year, which you know, it's going to be the end of the year. I mean, yeah. we don't know anything about the game yet. <laughs> so we're thinking like E3 time, even though there's no E3. We'll probably hear some kind of direct around that time, maybe during Summer Games Fest or something. Maybe they'll maybe finally drop something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, Xenoblade Chronicles for me is just kind of, eh, I would have preferred maybe Breath of the Wild, I mean, I know people are still waiting on, I know Bayonetta, right, Bayonetta 3, oh, yeah, still, Bayonetta 3. they could have showed, I, th- I think a lot of people are guessing that game's still gonna get pushed back too, <sighs> shoot, what else, what, uh, what else could they have shown more of, I mean, maybe, uh, what was it, um, What's the XCOM Mario-like game? Uh, oh, the Mario Rabbids. Um, they showed a lot, though, in their initial showing of that game. I don't know what more they could have shown to entice people yeah, about that game. I think that's, you know, that's coming. I don't think anybody's too worried about it. I think people are probably pretty confident about it because the first one, you know, was received really well. So. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, I think that was kind of uh, our overall thoughts from the Nintendo Direct. Overall... <laughs> For me, at first, it was kind of a downer. Like, I wasn't that impressed. But after kind of sitting on this showing, like Phoenix said, I feel like the ports were definitely the most exciting things to come out of it, just to see just how much is getting remastered. For the most part, these are ports of, like, either good, really good games or they're ports of really expensive games that are really hard to get a hold of and... Yeah, while it may still be kind of annoying that you know Nintendo's policies with ports and how hardcore they go after uh... fan-made projects and like um, you know remasters, uh, like people do a re- their own you know, HD remaster of mm-hmm. Mario 64 kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I mean, I I guess that makes that makes that feel a little bit better. They're at least giving you the option of being able to play something like again like. Clonoa. They want to capitalize on their own IP, which, you know, is fair enough, I suppose. Yeah, so... But yeah, once again, that's our thoughts on the Nintendo Direct. Uh, moving on. Yeah, so moving on to something I'm uh, sure you're really excited to talk about, Phoenix. Uh, one of my favorite things is the Lord of the Rings. And I kind of wanted to just touch on uh, Amazon uh, kind of covering the, the Lord of the Rings with their The Rings of Power series. Um, I'll, I'll do a little opening I presented for you guys just to kind of explain what the show is about, if you don't know. Uh, it's it about is... Daenerys trying to take over um, the the kingdoms. and. Uh... Yep. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, that's exactly what I don't want. That's exactly <laughs> what I don't want with my Lord of the Rings is for, for it to be uh, Game of Thrones-ified. But 
Yeah, basically, it's an upcoming TV series um, on September 2nd that's produced by Amazon that takes place in the world created by J.R.R. Tolkien. It takes place thousands of years before the events of The Lord of the Rings and Middle-Earth's Second Age and a time before the creation of the Rings of Power, when Middle-Earth felt it was in a period of peace. Centered in the show is the fan-favorite Galadriel, the Lady of the Wood, whoop, whoop, and a new character created for the show, a man by the name of Halbrin. Boo, I don't know you. Uh, nope, no Sauron or the downfall of Numenor here. Nothing to see here, folks. Just good old peace and prosperity on Middle-earth. Um, I don't know. That's kind of an opening I kind of set up for the, uh, did myself for the show. Um, if you don't know, I'm a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. I actually liked the Hobbit movies, didn't love them. Uh, they had problems, but <clears throat> I, I, I don't know, kind of, it really makes me appreciate seeing the Hobbit as opposed to comparing it to something like the uh, the the sequel trilogy with Star Wars, uh, I don't know. I feel like he handled that a little bit better. But uh, yeah, so I guess just overall, Phoenix. What are your kind of uh, what's your approach to the Lord of the Rings and uh, all the Middle Earth stuff? Do what if what if what if anything do you like from that uh, world? Oh, I mean, I like Lord of the Rings as much as the next guy. I mean, I um I enjoy the movies. I've read the. I think the first book, I definitely read Fellowship. I don't, I don't think I ever finished Two Towers. I finished Two I Towers. I, I never read the third one. Um, I read I them when I in like middle school too, so I was young. Yeah, it's been well over a decade since I've done it. Never I read The Hobbit them. or The Similarian. Gotta say, they're they're not my favorite by um, certain standards. Um, I personally like The Fellowship of the Ring. I really liked. We're talking about the movies. All time um, classic. Did not love Two Towers nearly as much. Um, I like Return of the King better. That's my favorite, is the Two Towers. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, I don't think any of them were bad movies. I feel like that was the one that kind of lulled for me the most. Um, but, you know, that's just my opinion. Um, I did not love the Hobbit movies. Um, I think I liked them even less after I, you know, read up more about it. Like, they basically stretched one book into three movies and basically. added all this extra stuff that didn't need to be there, which that will kind of be, I think, part of where we're going to talk to about adjusting source material. But um, I would actually say to anyone who's curious about The Hobbits, other than reading the books, um, I know it's not a popular thing, but I actually recently watched the 1977, I think, animated the movie animated? Yeah, with Rank Rankin Bass. I actually... It's quite ridiculous, but I actually really enjoyed it. Like, it... It's super quick, and it it does summarize everything that happens very quickly. But maybe it only feels quick because Peter Jackson made him into freaking three movies, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, I guess, yeah, just a few quick things. I mean, I, I, I know Phoenix isn't quite as... Uh, he's not quite as, as, you know, digs deep on Lord of the Rings quite as much as me. I It's possibly my favorite movie trilogy of all time between the three. I like it more than Star Wars. I like it more than Harry Potter's. Um, make fun of me if you want. But yeah, I, I love those movies. Um, just a quick uh, <coughs> couple of notes to put on here. Once again, no Peter Jackson involved, which is uh, scary for someone like me. Uh, I loved Peter Jackson's The Three Movies. I love The Hobbits. Well, I liked The Hobbits, so I'm... I don't know. Yeah. Once again... Not crazy about Peter not being involved, but what can you do with uh, Daddy Bezos? He he'll do what he'll do. What he'll do. Um, if you don't know, the uh, Amazon purchased it for two, 
purchased the IP for $250 million from the Tolkien estate for approximate, or uh, it was uh, in, back in 2017. So they essentially, all they purchased was the Lord of the Rings TV rights. Um, the actual, uh, funny enough, the actual video game rights for the Lord of the Rings right now is actually kind of up for sale and up for grabs. Um, that's another interesting topic. I won't delve too deep into that, saying that's how nothing's come up of it. It's just available for purchase. The weird thing well, is... That's pretty interesting, honestly. Like, um, I, I don't know if you've thought about this, but, you know, Microsoft's been going on a spending spree mm -hmm. lately. I would not be surprised if they made an offer for the Lord of the Rings license because they're wanting IPs right now. So. Well, the interesting thing about the Lord of the Rings video game licenses is, is it, it, there, there have been games that have come out. Like, it's not like there haven't been Lord of the Rings games made by other developers. Like, you got... The Shadow of Mordor, you know, that series. You've got, like, all these other games that are, like... Weren't they all published by... Were they EA? Is that correct? Probably published by EA, yeah. Yes, yeah, so they probably had some kind of license or publishing contract to produce them. It's almost like with Star Wars now, where how, like, all of a sudden, the last year or so, I think Star Wars, the game license for the Star Wars games is now kind of open, where they can, you know, they can let anybody develop a game. It's not just tied to... Mm -hmm. I think it's EA <laughs> as well yeah. with that. Honestly, I think that's a pretty valuable IP to have. Like, I haven't played all of them, but I've actually played a good amount of the um, Lord of the Rings games, and most of them have been pretty solid. Like, even if you go back to like the old school like movie games, um, Two Towers, Return of the King, those are classics for a lot of people. Um, and then you had, you know, the was it Shadow of Mordor games? You had War of the North. Um, they've put a lot of things solid Lord of the Rings based games out there. Not all of them have been, you know, hits, but. I think it would be an IP that if someone snatched up, they could definitely uh, make a good profit off of it. Because there's even, there's even that Gollum game that comes out like this year or next year. And that's like a big title. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, there's an actual Lord of the Rings game where you just play as Gollum, which I don't know what you do other than grab fish out of water and smash their skulls against rocks. I don't know. You just you know, follow Frodo and Sam and watch them you know, hang out all night. Make out while they're... <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to go there. <laughs> You know how many fan fictions there are of. of I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> All right, we won't. I barely even read the first book. Don't let me read it. <laughs> we won't delve deep into that. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I guess just another few tidbits. Like I said, we won't spend much time on this. Is more of a a Chazman thing. But uh, yeah, as of right now, I think it's being dubbed the most expensive TV series ever made. Which I guess that's no shock coming from you know the Bezos party but uh wow i said party that makes him sound like uh, that probably isn't uh, that's probably very futuristic he's his own uh, he's his own political party, party <laughs> you know uh, it's only a matter of time that's gonna so happen you're I, gonna have the leftist the rightist and, and the, the bezos <laughs> um <laughs> but his wife will have a, her own party because she got so much money <laughs> off of him <laughs> his ex-wife i should say mm -hmm. but yeah apparently with the this season and future seasons, they are slated to have spent, along with purchasing the IP, they're slated to have spent over a billion dollars on creating this one TV show. So, yeah, that's kind of crazy, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um, something worrisome. I'll just mention a couple things for me. Showrunners J.D. Payne and Patrick McCain. This is their first IMDb credit. Why? Why on my favorite 
you know, one of my favorite IPs do you give someone? You spend over a billion dollars and the people you put in charge of it have their first IMDb credit. Shocking. That's crazy. You know what I mean? Really? I mean, I haven't looked at this, so I'm just kind of going off what you're saying. The create, they, have... they have no current IMDb. This is their first IMDb credits. They're like, and Are they directing? That were yeah, they're showrunners. They don't have any like code writers. I haven't looked. I haven't looked too deep into it, but as far as I know, these two college buddies. That's worrisome, man. But Uh, yeah, I don't know. (coughs) I've been surprised before, but you know, typically for something that big, you're right. You want someone who has a proven track record of. But someone, but someone with a proven track record is gonna want to do things certain ways and. I'm hoping they yeah, didn't get yes men control over it. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's worrisome. I mean, it honestly, wouldn't surprise me. I mean, looking at it from a high level, I mean, I'm sure you'll get into this. Um, I don't know. I see red flags kind of pop up across the board with no. this particular entry. No, I don't know how you I, feel. I, I, I've, I agree, man. It just, it, it looks to me, to it's crazy how expensive and how. Because it looks cheap if you saw that trailer. Like, oh, I don't know if I think it looked cheap. The CGI issues, just look. There's too much CGI. Like, uh, I'd have to look at somebody. Honestly, I mean, that's not what stood out to me. I mean, maybe I wasn't looking at that too much. Um, some of the effects I thought actually looked pretty solid, but maybe that's just me not, you know, paying close enough uh, attention to it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess just once again, I'll just rattle off a couple things. Uh, we I already mentioned being worried about it being something closer to Game of Thrones, which better not be. Just everyone needs that Game of Thrones TV show that they have planned that needs to get thrown out. Like I, the way Game of Thrones ended, just we will get it. We'll maybe we'll do another video on that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, like there's just I don't know. No Peter Jackson. It, it new people and put in charge. It's just I don't know. For me, it's very worrisome, and I, it's something I most definitely hope is uh, hope is done justice. But we will see. Um, I guess uh, I'll rattle off a question I had for you. Do you care how close or how far Amazon gets from Tolkien source material? Which is for me, you know, someone who's a huge fan of Tolkien's material. I mean. I mean, I'm not as... Uh, I'll let you go. Go ahead. Okay, so... Um, I'm a, a bit of both minds about this, but... Um, so here's from my understanding. You can correct me if I'm wrong, because I, once again, am not the biggest Lord of the Rings buff. But this is all happening, once again, prior to any of the, you know, the creation of the rings, all that kind of stuff. So we're kind of in a empty period, right? Where there's not a whole lot of, like, really stories written. Am I mm-hmm. correct on that? Or is this based upon pre-written literature? This series where it takes place? Well, like, this, whatever storyline they're going with, I don't know if they release, like, much about the plot. Yes, oh yeah, this this plot, this plot is all, like, predetermined. This is all on stuff that he wrote, Tolkien. Okay, see, I didn't know that. I I thought this was more off the cuff. Yeah, the whole Um, fall of Numenor and and mm, the whole rise of Sauron and all this stuff. This is all Similarian. my opinion a little bit okay similar okay i didn't know that so once again i'm sorry about it i'm not a huge lord of the rings guy. no the whole similar Um, because this is this technically takes place in the second age which i believe the similarian covers 
ages one and two. Uh, again, guys, I'm a huge fan, but I'm not like the most follower. Like I, I, I wish I was, but I'm not the. I don't follow the book quite as much as I wish I did. But I believe this covers ages one and two, and then the end of age two leads into the. Um, oh shoot. I want to say the end of Age 2 leads into the creation of the rings. Mm. Or does the end... Of, no. I, don't think it I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. For, you, for you, you probably don't care. But yeah, at, at least what goes on in this show is covered in the books. By okay. far. So I guess that, Matt, changes my thoughts a little bit about it. So here's kind of my take uh, when you do any kind of adaptation. You're adapting one of two things. You're either adapting the world to fit your needs, or you're adapting a story. And I feel like sometimes when you're just adapting a story, you can get by with a lot more changes because a story, you know, has to be changed to fit, you know, different audiences, different, you know, uh, maybe genres or locations. Um, I think you can get away with a lot of changes. But when you're adapting a world, especially something as, like, rich and specific as what Tolkien's done, you can't get away with that as much because part of what makes Lord of the Rings Lord of the Rings is that world. When you start tweaking things and moving things around and mm -hmm. changing out characters you don't have the same world and that's what people fell in love with with um these um these pieces of literature I mean, yes there's a story to it and there's characters but well, lord of the rings is more than that it is the world around everything and that's where you mm -hmm. can argue about even stuff like star wars and all these other huge ips there's a world built into it what people take issue with is when you start trying to adapt that world and the world doesn't feel right anymore um Correct me if I'm wrong, but was um oh it's Galadriel is that how you say her name Galadriel uh, yes Galadriel er was she really like a warrior elf kind of chick or is that something they're adding No she was she was a warrior she 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 took a part she played a part in a lot of the battles Okay same thing so with Elrond I mean I, well you see Elrond battling in the first movie but yeah Elrond and his brother and all those hit a lot of those. All of them are warriors. They're just they're okay. elder. They're like very elderly in the movies. That's why they don't do as much. So I might be speaking out of place then for this because I don't know the books and the characters well enough to really make I think an accurate judgment about it. But um, I don't know. I guess I that's what I, I would worry. I don't about. have a problem with them taking some liberties with some things. And I know that's weird coming from you know a diehard Lord of the Rings fan. I I, I think I think the problem you get into is when you like liberties can be taken. But if you don't do something well, then you're going to get torn apart. And you could say that for anything. And yeah. change in service of an agenda. And I think that's what most people are concerned about is so many TV shows nowadays when they're put out, there's a clear agenda or message trying to be portrayed for whatever that message may be. And the show suffers because they're trying to push that agenda. Um, and I think that's just what I fear about this. And the fact that you were saying that these showrunners don't have any credits to the name and now we're worried about yes men mm -hmm. worries me even more if if these guys aren't coming into this with some vision they have of how to interpret these works on their own that is a creative direction it makes me worry that okay it's going to be these guys who are just adept enough to actually make the show happen and they're just going to be taking cues off higher ups who are trying to once again push an agenda do yeah. whatever and that's concerning to me. Now, as I said, I'm going to reserve my judgment until I see the show. Oh, I yeah. Want I, I definitely, yeah. Um, and I do think people sometimes criticize too early based upon 
a casting choice or a decision they've made. And I, I am very much somebody who I, I think I've grown more this way over time. I'm less concerned about having to be one-to-one exact with source material. I feel like it, I don't know, if you overly criti- uh, criticize something to that point, you have a hard time enjoying anything. I'll, I like kind of going into things, just enjoying it for what it is, letting it be. If it's not, you know, perfect by any means, I kind of let it just roll off the, the shoulder a little bit, right? If it's something that ends up being really good, that's great. But if not, I'm not going to get overly concerned or upset about it. So I agree. I I'll, I'm getting older, you know, go figure. Everyone's getting older. But um, no. but I'm, I'm, very, I'm very much set in my ways and set in my thinking of like i'm very open to the new things but i'm kind of at the point where i don't get disappointed anymore if i see something i don't like Mm -hmm. because i always have that old thing that made me happy like if this show bombs and it sucks i've got no problems not watching it and i will spend the rest of my days watching two two towers you know what exactly. I mean? Like, like I don't like the argument that you know a ruins your childhood. Blocks, yeah. yeah, ruins the original work. Like, um, I mean, probably the best example <laughs> in recent um, uh, memory is Cowboy Bebop. Right? We can probably agree we didn't love that adaptation, but I don't think that by any means tarnishes the original work. Some to stop watching it, but, go watch the original. Like, it, yeah. And you can say that about anything, Star Wars, or I don't know, Lord of the Rings. In this case, I mean. You you can enjoy what you enjoy about it. If you don't, you move on. It's not a huge. I think that's my my whole way with Dragon Ball and Super and everything. Where it's like, I'm a huge Dragon Ball fan. If you don't know on my channel, I have lots of videos talking about Dragon Ball. But Super's just something I haven't gotten into, and it's like that's no problem with that. Like I'm I'm happy some people can enjoy it. I wasn't I particularly in it, but I, hey, I'll go back and watch Z and Dragon Ball. Like it's no problem, but. I guess to kind of round out, I'll just switch over to this article to show you something very worrying for me. Um, and that is this quote right here when they were talking about diversification, I guess, within the, the show and the world. Which, again, diversification isn't a... To me, it's not a problem. I, but that... It's not a problem... I, I don't know. It, it's very slippery slope where it's like what does Tolkien's characters look like? You know, I don't know. But I guess my my whole thing is just this quote right here where it says, uh, who is this? This, I don't remember. It's someone here who takes place within the show. But this is a Vanity Fair article, and just the quote is, it felt only natural to us that an adaption of Tolkien's work would reflect what the world actually looks like. And they're talking about what our world looks like, not what, what our, world our world, like. world looks like. Which to me, that's one of the most troubling things to see mm-hmm. out of the show. Um, yeah. It's troubling because, again, when well, it I'm... sounds like it's diversification for the sake of diversification. It's not something that Tolkien's world is going to benefit from yeah. necessarily. I don't know. As I said, I I am not against diversification. I think my issue here, and what I said, you could argue against this, um, but when Token wrote this, he was writing for his world at the time, right? The way his um, uh, social, um, social, um, sorry, mm-hmm. um, kind of environmental factors were at the time, what the world was like to him, and he was also writing this um, story 
with a very specific focus and vision on who the characters were. Like the elves were tall, slender, fair-skinned people. Like that is explicitly in, in his movies and in his stories. There already yeah. is a sense of racism. There already is a sense of of tension between these races. There's years and years of wars and battles and stereotypes, and it's like, in the end of the Lord of the Rings, like, you know, the whole thing between Gimli and Legolas is like, it's like people coming together. I'm just saying he got across messages of unity, messages of... Mm-hmm. Of you know, you know we're never gonna win these wars separate. We must you know coming together. I mean, I just think if the colors were, I think I think a lot of the at least the elves. I think in the books it says a lot of them were fair skinned, which you know I'm not sure, but but to me it's just it's a reflection of what like you said Tolkien saw like he and in his world like. And to be to be honest, most people who knew Tolkien and a lot of people who understand the man, apparently he was a really nice and really good dude. He like, he was like, a lot of the the books and stuff that he wrote were very like anti-war. Obviously, I mean he a lot because he I think he was in World War Two, you know, and and it's like there's very good mess. There's very messages of like anti-war. Uh, actually, the largest thing he was against was like. He was very pro environmentalism, like that's mm. why a lot of like, a lot of within Lord of the Rings, that's why the world looks so crappy is because of like deforestation and them and war kind of attributing to this ugliness that surrounds Middle Earth, you know, and it's just like, I, I, I don't know. Again, I I don't but know. Our, it, it's I'm it's sure a very tricky. With the wrong message yeah. here by any means. Um, I think what's concerning about it is just it seems like here's the thing at the end of the day if the actors do a good job and the rest of the source material is respected then that's great I'm not gonna have any issue with it whatsoever but the fact that I feel like they're making these changes just because like I don't know what the rationale was for maybe doing some of these casting choices were and maybe I'm hoping it's just because these were the best people for these positions they you know, kill the audition. Oh, most definitely. Oh, I agree. Um, like, ultimately... I, I, the way they made that statement is concerning, that yeah. they want to change Tolkien's work to reflect our world. Here's the thing. I... When I watch any media like that, I don't usually want to see our world. It's I a, do it it's as a, an escape to enjoy some other fictional it's a, world. It's, a, it's, it's dubbed a fantasy epic. The Lord of the Rings is a fantasy epic it's a fantasy like world piece of media needs to be a commentary on our the state of our world like there is a place for that for sure but mm-hmm. i don't we already have that interjecting so many different forms of our media whether it be our games or our tv shows or what have you sometimes i just want to go watch a movie and just enjoy the movie so and again again within within tolkien's world like he he was very like he actually hates the idea of man like, like not hates the idea, but like, that's why like, that's why the men with the nine rings. That's why there's. That's why they end up becoming the Nazgul because they're easily corruptible. Man is corruptible. You know, it's like it's. It, man is more easily corruptible. They're they're flawed. You know, it's like, he he himself was a person of like, he he really didn't like normal people. You know, 
but yeah, guys, ultimately, I'm absolutely open to giving the show a chance. I, I really do hope it's well, and I hope all of the showrunners and all of the actors that take place into it really go in with as much heart and love for Tolkien's world as someone like me or other diehard, you know, uh, Middle-Earth fans are. Like, it, Tolkien created, like, he didn't just create a fantasy epic or a fantasy world. A lot of people consider, he say he he created the fantasy world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and he created, you know, created an awesome world. And I, for one, am super excited for it. <coughs> and, uh, yeah. So, uh, any, any last words on uh, on The Lord of the Rings? Anything? Uh, I mean, no, I think I've already said. I, I am going to be cautiously optimistic about it. I'll try to, you know... Give it the best chance possible can, because I just want it to be good. I mean, as I said, I don't by any means dislike Lord of the Rings. It's not maybe not my you know top tier franchise, but I am not going to um, um, turn down opportunity to spend some more time in the world because I do think you know Lord of the Rings, great uh, great world building, uh, some great characters. Um, um, I say cautiously optimistic that things will turn out well. For it's it. very concerning and also interesting just the over the overall discourse around this show i mean twitter is a barn fire man there's so many people with negative negative nancy opinions on on things and it's like you know ultimately ultimately my whole thing is i hope it's good if it's good you know i'm all for criticism where criticisms do and i'm not saying that people don't that there aren't red flags made for certain things but there's so little about this show out right now like Mm -hmm. i feel like anything we say we're just going to dig a hole um or, you know, fight a battle on Molehill that isn't really necessary right now, right? We need to go ahead and just let this play out. Let's mm-hmm. see some real trailers. Absolutely. And see where they're taking things. Yep. Um, you know, I'm I'm not disappointed with the Dwarven woman not having beards at all. You know, I'm open to... I wish I'm... I could have a beard. <laughs> <laughs> there, dude, there's a lot of people mad that the Dwarven women don't have beards. And... Is that a thing? They, oh yeah, beards? and Gimli, Gimli and oh that's right, Gimli and the two towers. Okay. No, Gimli and the first one or two towers says something about how sometimes even even normal folk can't tell a dwarven woman from a man because of their facial hair. Yeah. Um, he's like <laughs> in a drunken stupor while saying that too. I'm kind of sad. I don't get to see that now. To be honest, because I think that would be kind. I of cannot weird. believe they dropped the beards. I because you've never seen a dwarven woman's in. In any of the Tolkien or in any of the Peter Jackson movies, because there yeah. there basically are none. Or I, I mean the let's be honest, the dwarven race in those shows, like, I think the dwarven race as a whole is very like, very Underpaid. minute. Yeah, there's just not many of them around anymore, and I think like well, they got to do a lot with a bit with with the Hobbit. So yeah, yeah, fair enough. Anyway, um, but yeah, once again, guys, very excited. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if we could do a video on it. I'm very, uh, I think this style of video, I mean, I don't know about you, Phoenix, but this style of video could be fun down the line of maybe just choosing a specific topic and just going all in for 20 or 30 minutes on a movie or like maybe like, maybe like for my next topic, the movie of Doctor Strange and mm. I forgot the name of it already. Forgive uh, me. Multiverse of Madness. So like uh, maybe in the future we could take things like this movie or something and maybe just have a sit down talk about what we thought maybe like a 15 20 minutes that might be kind of fun 
Um, but yeah, so yeah, let's move on to that. Um, that's our final topic for this stream or for this video for Inner Chats Man, my first uh, first video for this. But um, yeah, what do you think? What, uh, what did what did you take away from that trailer? Uh, well, I've been excited about this movie for a while. I, um, I know I am more. Oh, what's a good way to say this? Um, I'm more positive about Marvel movies in general than I know you are. You definitely take more um, critiques about certain things on them. But I tell you, I, <laughs> well, I like Marvel for what it is. I'm I, know a, I, I would say favorite. Burnt Out is more. Like, I'm not like, I don't like hate it. It's just, yeah, it's definitely burned. But go ahead, sorry. It's an overwhelming franchise. Um, I think my thing is like, even when the movies aren't good, they're almost never straight up bad. No, um, absolutely not. Almost all of them are fun in some way. Like, Unless it's Thor um, 2. Yeah, man. I haven't watched that in forever, but <laughs> don't have fond, fond memories. But yeah. um, in general, I really appreciate how Marvel sets up their movies. Like, Even though I know people, yes, have a lot of Marvel fatigue right now, the fact that they have done what they've done with this franchise and we can have now these really comic booky movies. Like, you couldn't have this 15 years ago where you got Doctor Strange meeting up with Scarlet Witch and... Uh, possibly seeing uh spoiler alert jean-luc picard <laughs> yeah um, well, he's not picard like, He'll, i know he's gonna be professor well xavier he's gonna be xavier it'll be, be, Xavier. <laughs> it'll be oh. even better if he's jean-luc picard I'm just saying yeah. um but anyways like the fact that we can actually have this in a movie now and it's not like a weird thing i think is awesome so kudos to marvel for that if nothing else um but no i think it looks really good um Question, have you watched any of the Marvel Disney Plus series? I knew you were going to ask, no. I haven't seen okay. anything on Disney Plus. And I feel like, I know that's where some people are going to be turned off to this to a certain extent. I don't know how much this movie is going to specifically require knowledge from those, but it's definitely one of those things. If you've watched well, those... doesn't this, this require more knowledge of Spider-Man? Because doesn't uh, the ramifications of what... the premise... Um, I mean, I think it does. Like, that's the plot, right? Because of what happened at the end of, uh, uh, was it? <laughs> Doctor no Strange is essentially yeah. being punished in a way for, yeah. you know, he gets pulled in by the Galaxy Police uh, The Doctor Strange stuff? <laughs> not, oh, my goodness, Doctor Strange stuff. The um, uh, Scarlet Witch stuff? That's directly following up from WandaVision. Oh, that's right, And yeah. then, um, you saw the evil Doctor Strange, right? I did, that yeah. from the What If series, which... N Nega um, Strange. I know a lot of people didn't, yeah, a lot of people didn't like the What If series, but... Um, and there were definitely high and low marks on it, but the Doctor Strange arc in that, where basically is you know an evil sorcerer supreme, is really cool, and that's definitely what this is kind of leaning on. So it's one of those things that I know people are going to be upset that you almost not only have to watch those shows, but there's you're definitely going to benefit more from watching those shows. But I don't know. I liked the shows for the most part. They weren't perfect, but I enjoyed um, where some you know, with with. Actually, yeah. I got the trailer up. Yeah, we can kind of. But yeah, keep going, sorry. Um, I was saying, like, I liked where WandaVision went and how that's going to tie into this, how she's now kind of, like, potentially a pseudo-villain in this world. That makes a lot of sense because the stuff she did in WandaVision was not exactly um, altruistic um, without spoiling too much. If you so I was, um, I was pretty excited, but you want to see what made me crazy excited for this movie? Mm. Let me find it real quick. Where's that? Boom. Directed Raimi, yeah. directed by Sam Raimi, who made Evil Dead 1 and 2 and Army of Darkness. And then Ash vs. the Evil Dead. And Spider-Man's 1, 2, and 3. And he also did... Uh, ah, I can't remember that other horror movie that I really like. I'll, I'll forget about that. But Sam Raimi, I think you agree. He's 
you know, one of my favorite directors. So immediately seeing Sam Raimi on there alone for me was like, I'm sold. I got to watch this. Yeah. You know, well, Sam Raimi's great because everything he has has a very unique style. And he does. He does I'm, camp. I'm hoping, he does camp very good. And I'm really curious how well that camp is going to bleed over into the Marvel movies because Marvel movies usually aren't campy. They try really hard to be cool. What the heck and... is this thing? It's like a minotaur? Something. It's probably from, you know, one of the other multiverses. But I am curious how Sam Raimi's um, camp is going to bleed oh, over. Oh, you can see this. him in the background right there. <laughs> Funny. Oh, yeah. All green. He's a shiny. Um, but, yeah, no, I think that's cool. Like, th this is checking off a lot of boxes. And he, I liked the first Doctor Strange. I just um, thought it was okay. I think here, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, like, I am much more open now to, like, adaptations. Is that Ultron? That, used to be. that looks like Ultron bots. Mm, something. Could be. It's hard to say yet. But, um, oh. what was I saying? Oh, sorry. Um, I cut you off. No, it's okay. I think here's the thing. Like, I don't, I never had a huge amount of knowledge, like, from the comics about uh, Doctor Strange. So going into this, I was never like, oh, they changed the Ancient One, or they did this, they did that, like. I was just open to whatever they did, as long as, you know, I thought it played well. And I thought the first movie did pretty well in that regard. So I'm open to kind of have them go crazy with this movie. Like, I don't ha have any, like, you know, predisposition for lore or anything like that. Just, I want to see some weirdness happen in this. This is another, uh, or sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, Let's say, this is another cool thing I saw. Oh, Danny Elfman. Danny yeah, Elfman's cool. doing the music. Or, you know, well... Hopefully he does a good job. He's been kind of iffy as of late, but in the past, he's cool. awesome. But and the fact that they might be, you know, spoiler for everybody who hasn't watched the trailer, but sneaking in some old-school X-Men back into this franchise, kind of merging them back in or giving I, them an avenue. I heard there's, a, there's a, a a possible cameo of a certain, a certain Deadpool somewhere in here. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Yes, apparently someone zoomed in on like a shard of glass the right frame yeah. i doubt he's probably in the movie for long that probably literally is just a hey here's deadpool because that's deadpool you know what else are you gonna do yeah. but but no this movie looks like a lot of fun like i mean i'm i have high hopes for it um yeah i, I don't have anything really bad to say going into this um i could of course be disappointed i mean maybe it will fall flat or i don't know um i don't i just don't know i mean i I'm trying to think of something that I'm negatively kind of looking to with this. Um, this movie, I just want to see here. I just want to see Sam Raimi get. There's something here that look. This looks freaking awesome. Like it looks like one of Sam Raimi's Evil Dead freaking monsters. Yeah. Uh, hey, Marvel, clap, clapping for you. You got Sam Raimi. That's the only. That's like one of the few things you could do to like get me to be like super amped for anything is to get. My boy. I guess the the I guess potential negative because it's not really I think portrayed very well here in this movie um, or this trailer I should say um, it's an issue that Marvel's had in the past is you know is the main bad guy gonna be all that good or entertaining like is it this dude is uh, I think that is Doctor is... Strange I think that's Nega Strange it looks it's hard for me to tell. maybe, maybe it looks like a black cloak say. looks like the his cloak. Well, maybe, maybe. The face looks a little off to me, but in general, like, are they going that route? Is it going to be Evil Strange as the bad, bad guy? Is it going to be Scarlet Witch? Is it going to be something different? Uh, there's also potential, like, King the Conqueror kind of stuff they could pull from. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's where it could fall flat if the antagonist is not great. 
And, you know, with the multiverse stuff, you know, they're just pulling in so many different potential things that balancing it out cleanly is always a, a tricky deal. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. It looks looks fun to me. Yeah, there's not really much more to say for me. I'm excited. I don't know what's happening in any of these scenes, which, again, directed to trailers is so very tricky. It's like... Well, Marvel likes to lie with their tra- trailers, too, so it's not like you're getting the full picture regardless. Jurassic Park. No shit. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. Once that was a uh, that was our uh, final topic. Basically, I mean, I'm super excited. I thought the trailer looked pretty cool, and I know Phoenix is uh, he's he's a bit more a Marvel fanboy than I am. I mean, I I like some of the stuff. I I think for me again, it's for me it's more burnout. Like I feel like if they came out less frequently, I would be more excited for these kind of things. But I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, I I haven't seen some of the recent movies, to be honest. So, I mean, I mentioned a few minutes ago they're not all bad, but at the same time, I have not seen Eternals, which I've heard a lot of middling things about it. I have not seen Black Widow, same thing. Um, I haven't even seen, was it Shang-Chi? But I thought a lot of people liked that. I'll watch know, all that stuff off. at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, it's all like, on Disney Plus now, so I need to sit down and watch it. Mm-hmm. I mostly watch TV shows, which... I've liked the TV shows. Um, I don't know. They, I, I like that kind of slow form storytelling anyway. Like movies, you know, are big and action packed. But like, if they don't cram everything in in that hour and half, two hours, it can fall flat pretty quick. Shows you get to kind of flesh it out, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So I like WandaVision. I liked What If. Um, Loki was okay. Um, Hawkeye might be the only one I don't finish. To be honest, it's yeah. been a little less interesting. But yeah, it's Hawkeye. Cool. Well. Man, uh, that was uh, that was my first little uh, podcast video podcast that we've done for Inner Chat Inner Chats Man. So I uh, just want to say thanks for joining Phoenix. I look forward to doing many more with you. Um, so yeah, I guess Phoenix, just uh, you know, want to say anything else about yourself? What do you got going on? <clears throat> uh, well, if I still have any energy left, I'm gonna go shiny hunting and Pokemon. Um... Uh, sounds like it sounds like a good time to me. The only other game I have my um, Horizon hint hint is uh, Horizon. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I probably won't get to play it for about a month though. I've got some busy life stuff. Phoenix right is a now, very so. very busy guy. So same thing with me I, with having the whole YouTube channel and working full time in. It's like I, you know, I. Oh, I it's hard. It, it's, it's hard. it really is hard finding the time, but. It's worth it getting to talk to the lovelies and putting some content out for, for peeps. So. Yeah, oh, this is fun. I enjoyed chatting. Uh, two hours might have been a little long, so maybe we'll find a way to streamline it for uh, your chazzy coons out there in the future. But, yeah. no, it's good. I enjoyed it's it. It's still fun. I, I don't know. I, <clears throat> it's a little longer than, but you said midnight, so we're, we're fine, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining. Um... If you guys wanted to, I don't know, send in any questions, if you have any topics you guys thought you uh, think you would like us to cover or anything, feel free to let me know down in the comments or, you know, go to any, uh, I guess down below, I'll put some more of my uh, social medias. Feel free to, you know, have a dialogue with me in Phoenix. Uh, I'll show him any, he's not uh, quite so much social media wise or anything, but anything I see, feel free and I'll send his way um yeah that was it guys thank you so much for joining me on this first episode uh thank you phoenix um 
yeah, so I guess I will see you guys on the next one. Alright, Phoenix. Night night, everyone. Bye bye. Or I guess you probably don't care what time it is. <laughs> Alright, guys. I'll see you on the next one. Love you. Bye bye.